Hello, Letterman Row listeners, watchers, readers, followers. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, uh, brought to you by Letterman Row. I'm Jeremy Birmingham, your host. You can call me Berm. On the phone with me today is Spencer Holbrook, my uh, co-host and cohort. Spencer, 24 hours uh, has been pretty good to Ohio State. Tuesday afternoon, the Buckeyes picked up commitment number eight in the class of 2021 with Jalen Johnson, a three-star safety slash linebacker prospect from Cincinnati LaSalle High School and a player that Ohio State offered this past June when he showed up at a camp uh, on campus in Columbus and really impressed the heck out of Al Washington and Ryan Day. Uh, and now the state champion, the Division II state champion, Cincinnati LaSalle, uh, becomes the fifth player in, from Ohio already to commit to the Buckeyes in the class of 2021. I assume you've watched his tape. Give us the perspective of a guy who's just watching football. What do you see? I see a really versatile defensive back. I mean, he kind of, he actually kind of reminds me of the way Damon Arnett came to Ohio State. You know, a guy who's not afraid to come up and hit, uh, can make some plays as a corner, can make some plays as a safety. I thought if Ohio State wanted to, they could have moved Arnett around as much as they wanted to because I think he's a, he was a versatile guy in that secondary. And I think Jalen Johnson kind of brings the same thing. I don't know if that's a fair comparison or of what you've seen, but I, I think they're kind of a, a similar mold uh, just from what I saw, my personal opinion. Yeah, the thing with Jalen I like is the fact that right now he's already over six foot tall. He's already 200 pounds. So you know that he's going to be a physical type of defensive back. He, he could end up in that 6'1", 220 range. And if that happens, then you could maybe see him slide down and maybe play the bullet more of what they expect to do with Court Williams from the class of 2020. But what, what Jalen really brings is that versatility that you're talking about. He's a guy who is going to be able to start his career in the back half of the defense, but he can play the run. He's a very physical player. He's aggressive. If you watch the tape, um, you're going to see a guy that puts his foot in the ground and goes. There's not a lot of indecision in his game. He makes a decisive uh, read on a play and then and commits to it, and that's a really good thing for a young guy his age. The thing I like about Jalen is the fact that he's a state champion. He, he's playing at one of the best programs in the state of Ohio. And ultimately, it was the decision uh, that, I'm sorry, ultimately that played a major role in the decision of Ohio State to welcome him into this class the way they did. After the Fiesta Bowl, Jalen actually tried to get this commitment out of the way for the last week or so, but there was uh, some trouble getting in communication with the Buckeye staff because Ryan Day was on vacation, other coaches were on vacation or at home with their families. And there was actually a moment of, of being unsure if they were going to take that commitment right now or not, uh, according to people I've talked to in the program. And what ultimately sold the Buckeyes on Jalen Johnson saying, hey, you know what, we, we like this kid enough to offer him uh, six months ago, was that they talked to coaches around the state of Ohio who played against Jalen Johnson. And every single one of them said, this kid's a no-brainer. You got to take him. And, and that sort of... Uh, a resume that sort of reference from other coaches that played against him was what Ryan Day and Ohio State decided to trust in. And you know, when you're talking about recruiting in the state of Ohio, it's a delicate dance because if you offer a kid and then you decide eventually, you know what, maybe we're not sure, it's a really bad look for the Buckeyes in the state. So that's why Ohio State was like, wait. Hey, Everyone seems to love this kid. They like the fact that he's a competitor. He came to camp and worked out. He's a winner. He's got great grades and a player that's only going to continue to get better. But, you know, it he, is interesting. Go ahead. He kind of he kind of reminds me of just the prototypical Ohio State defensive back, right? These guys who they can probably play both. I mean, obviously there's a Jeff Okuda in the mix where he's just a shutdown corner and he's, he'll never play safety 
he never had a chance to even try to play safety. But like all of these guys can basically do a lot of things. I mean, they recruit, just recruited Court Williams. Uh, they just got Lathan Ransom who can play, who can come up and stop the run. Jalen Johnson's a guy who can play safety. You said he could play corner. If he adds weight, he can play the bullet. You know, if he gets bigger, you might even see him as like a safety linebacker combo rather than like the Sean Wade type of bullet. But I think, I think it's a home run for Ohio State. I, I, another thing that I think the Buckeyes, I think they're trying to get all these in-state guys in the class so they can focus on going out. Well, it I makes it much a- easier. You're right. I mean, when when you have a core group of commitments from the state of Ohio or from you know that 180 mile radius around Columbus that they like to work from, if you have that core group, when you're bringing in players from California and Texas and Florida for weekend visits in in May and in March and April. It's much easier to give to give those guys a real sense of what they're building when you have five or six different commitments who are all basically able to to descend on campus on a on a whim or on a moment's notice in order to be there. So it is important. Like I said, you got eight commitments now in the class of twenty twenty one, the country's top ranked class with Jalen Johnson, and then you know you, you have five of them from in the state. That's a major major building block for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and. Once you have those guys, they're going to. A lot of those guys are going to come to every game. Jack Sawyer's already been to, was at every home game last year just because he wanted to be there. And like you said, when you bring those guys in, it's important that they know how much the guys from Ohio love Ohio State, and that kind of builds. You know, we keep saying it that foundation for the recruiting. I think it's a brilliant strategy just to get these in-state guys locked in to know that you have them. Say, hey. I don't hope you don't mind, but we're going to go focus on our national recruiting and make this a national championship competing team. And th- these guys are all bought in. And it seems like uh, Ryan Day's got a strategy about recruiting Ohio. He's not just it's not just lip service. He's actually going to get it done. Yeah. And and again, you bring up another good point. These kids from Ohio, the, the five commitments from Ohio in this class require far less uh, maintenance from here on out. And, and that's a big deal when you're talking about recruiting which is so much about love right who's showing the love who's giving you the the love uh when you don't need to spend that much time assuaging egos uh in the class of 2021 because five of the eight commitments right now are in ohio you know that they they know they're wanted they were given an early offer they were given an early opportunity to commit and they took it that builds something really special, and it does allow Ohio State to branch out. And I think Jalen Johnson, he's a three-star recruit, uh, according to the 247 Sports Composite. I know that rankings matter uh, as much as anything really at this point in recruiting, and, and you can point to the obvious anomaly and say, well, this guy was a two-star. It didn't matter. But rankings do matter, but they're also impacted by a number of things. I think Jalen Johnson's uh, recruiting ranking – has been sort of impacted by the fact that Ohio State offered him early and a lot of bigger schools uh, backed off almost immediately under the assumption that he would commit to the Buckeyes. So you don't have a huge offer list, but you know he picks Ohio State over Penn State, Kentucky, uh, and, and other schools that had been interested maybe didn't go full bore uh, to try to land him because the expectation it was always that he was going to pick Ohio State. It just happened five months earlier than normal or than expected. And- it's just interesting to me because Ryan Day is, is picking different position groups to take guys from Ohio from. You know, he doesn't have two defensive ends from Ohio already. And I think it's interesting the way I see it is like he's got a defensive back now, so he can say, Hey Jalen, 
come to Columbus on Saturday, but next week during the bye week, I'm going to go visit Tony Grimes. Right. I'm going to try and you know reach out to this top corner. I don't, I'm not going to come to Cincinnati next week. You know that you're loved. We took you this early in Ohio. Hey, Jack, you know how much you're loved, but I'm going to go down to, to Texas and try and get another five-star guy for you to come into this class and play defensive end with. I just think the way this class is setting up, it's the perfect strategy. It's, it's weird because when you say recruit these in-state guys, a lot of times this, these, uh, in 2021, the climate that the recruiting is, it's more of a national thing. Ohio guys aren't tempted to stay home, but Ohio State's making them tempted to stay home. They're making them stay home. You know, these guys from Michigan are flocking away. These guys from California are going to LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. These guys from Ohio, there's a lot of talent here, and they seem to be really, really, really wanting to stay home. Well, they're making them a priority early. They're not doing the thing that, that – Urban Meyer was notorious for this. I mean, kind of waiting until the end of a recruiting cycle uh, to then turn back around and then and look at the Ohio guys. Right now, Ryan Day is acknowledging that you know they want to get a handful of guys from Ohio, and if there's a thought that you're going to offer this player later in the process, why not just offer him now and then – and then lock him up. So, um, you know, that that's what happened Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Wednesday at 5 o'clock, Ohio State received a commitment from uh, one of the country's top offensive linemen, Donovan Jackson from Bel Air, Texas, Episcopal High School, uh, a top 60 player overall. He's the 11th-ranked offensive tackle in the country. I don't think personally he's going to end up playing tackle in college. I think he's going to be more of a guard. Uh, but there's no doubt if you watch – Donovan Jackson's tape, you're seeing one of the country's elite offensive linemen and whose ranking is probably dropped a little bit because of the fact that people think he's going to eventually slide inside uh, and be a guard. May not have the prototypical tackle body. He's not quite as long. But this kid is a nasty, mean offensive lineman that Ohio State beat out Alabama, LSU, Texas, Georgia, the best of the best in the country for. He's the, the lone offensive lineman who was a junior uh, who that was invited to the opening this past summer and was named the MVP of the offensive line there. That's how good he is. Yeah, this this guy is it's huge for the class. They've already got Ben Chrisman locked in, and another guy. That's another guy from Ohio. Now, like I said, Ryan Day doesn't have to focus on him. He can go down to Texas and say, "Hey, you're our guy. We're going to build the offensive line around you and Ben. Uh, develop a good relationship with Ben. Now he's in the class. Now you can go get some more guys. I know." Uh, there's a lot of offensive line talent in this class. It's a very, very talent-rich class uh, when it comes to the offensive line. And I think Ohio State is just uh, putting its foot on the gas when it comes to that, saying, hey, we're a, we're a spread team, but we're a power spread. And and look at what we've been able to do with with uh, J.K. Dobbins and the offensive line that, that he gets to run behind, run in front of. I mean, these guys are really developing offensive line talent. And I think it's a great tribute to Greg Stadrawa for just turning his entire narrative of what he was at Ohio State around. He really has. I mean, if you look back to the 2016 class, um, Ohio State's offensive line recruiting was was a little suspect at that time. Sudraro's first real class was the 2017 group, and they only signed three offensive linemen in that class. And so the numbers in the last couple of years were a problem. But, you know, I think the narratives, as you mentioned, it is sort of funny because that 2017 class, they only signed three guys, right? But it was Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, and Thayer Munford. So... Those three turned out pretty well okay. In 2018, Nicholas Petit Frere was the number one ranked offensive tackle in the country. Ohio State signed him after losing in-state guy Jackson Carmen to Clemson. So in, in the last three years, or four years now, Josh Myers was a, a borderline five-star uh, when he signed, and it was a five-star throughout his entire commitment or in recruitment. 
until basically the last day when they adjusted the rankings and he fell to four-star. Wyatt Davis was a five-star offensive lineman. Thayer Munford certainly has turned into one. Uh, in 2018, Nicholas petit Frere was five-star offensive lineman. 2019, Harry Miller was a five-star offensive lineman. 2020, Paris Johnson is the number one ranked offensive tackle and a five-star offensive lineman. Uh, it seems like Greg Studrara's uh, reputation maybe um, was wrongfully given to him. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I, I, it seems like he's actually been a much better recruiter than maybe people are giving credit for, for, credit for including myself. I, I, I think looking back, there's always been this assumption that he's had help, whether it's from Ryan Day or from uh, Kevin Wilson or, or Ed Warner when he got into town his first year. But the truth is, the Ohio State offensive line is is developing into NFL talent, and now you're starting to see the, the fruits of that on the recruiting trail. And I think a little bit of it is just getting comfortable where you're at because Greg Sadrawa was not an – was you know, he was he's a good hire, but but in 2016, like you said, they, their offensive line class was not the best in the world. The 2017 class, it was really good, but they only signed three guys, and now he just continues to stockpile this talent and yeah. build, build this depth that Urban Meyer complained about. Now Ryan Day praises. I mean, this the depth of this offensive line is is huge. I'm actually going to – I want to cut you off, Spencer, because I think – and I apologize for doing so, but I, want, I think – I actually believe that this – uh, uptick in recruiting that you're seeing from Sudrara is actually a byproduct of, of being made uncomfortable where he's at. I think that there was a moment a, a year ago when Ryan Day took over where Greg Sudrara wasn't really sure if he was going to be in the long-term plans for Ohio State and for Ryan Day. And just my perception of it, and I could be wrong, I, I guess, was that there was a moment when Greg Sudrara had to have a little bit of a fire lit under him. And I think he, I think it happened. And I think Ryan Day uh, found a way to get something out of him that maybe Studrara had been sort of going through the motions because uh, he had a really good relationship with Urban Meyer and it was a close friend of Meyer's. And I think now you're seeing that it, it is turning him back into a guy who is going out and, and winning battles on a recruiting trail. And don't get me wrong, there's some there's some benefit here to the fact that Donovan Jackson uh, has significant Ohio roots. His family is from Ohio. Maybe if he was not, you know, uh, uh, an Ohioan in his lineage, that it wouldn't he wouldn't be making this decision today that he did. But regardless, you have to go beat Alabama and LSU and and Georgia and Texas and Texas A and M for this guy. Uh, it says something about what Greg Studrara is doing. Yeah, and I think one of the things also that that needs to be noted is in back in 2016 and 2017, I don't know how much of a plan there was in place regarding the offensive line. I think it was more of a, hey, this guy's a, a highly rated guy. Let's go out and get him. And now if you look at this 2020 class and now on to 2021, they've got Trey LaRue, who's a three-star developmental prospect. Jacob James, a guard, three-star developmental prospect. They've got Grant Futon, who's a, probably a developmental guy. They also have Paris Johnson, who can be the cornerstone of an entire program at left as a left tackle or a right tackle. And then Luke Whipler is a center who, can be a, a, who could be a five-star center when it's all said and done. It seems that Ohio State's developing not just good chemistry with Greg Stadrawa and Ryan Day, but a plan in place to build depth that maybe wasn't there under Urban Meyer. I think they were more reaching for the best players available and not the guys who fit in the depth of the program, what the program has in place for the offensive line. Well, I think one thing, and I'm going to take this back to the Jalen Johnson announcement, and and it it echoes what, what I've written in the past about Larry Johnson and the defensive line. There is almost this positionless mentality right now that's happening in Ohio State football. 
the Buckeyes don't seem to really care if someone's a guard or a tackle or a center. Uh, you know, you you obviously have ideas for each player, but if you look at a guy like Josh Fryer in the class of 2020, he is a big kid, six foot five, six foot six, 300 pounds. They don't know if he's going to play tackle or guard or center, and they really don't care. Donovan Jackson, you know, he is a, a top tier offensive tackle in the country at the class of 2021, and one of the most physically uh, controlling and imposing players at his position in the country. Ohio State doesn't. I don't think see him as a tackle, but if he if he goes out and proves he can play that spot, then he can play that spot. They're looking for the best athletes who are the who have the best football mind that they can. And I think it's really changing the way that they're recruiting, not just on the offensive line, but everywhere else. And you know, you talked about this this potential class in the class of 2021 on the offensive line. I wrote about it on Wednesday morning on lettermanrow.com. You're talking about a group that could potentially end up with five or six guys who are top 100 players on the offensive line. And I I think right now that Ohio State actually leads for J.C. Latham, for Tristan Lee, for Jagger Burton. That is five guys, if you include him and and, uh, Ben Christman and Donovan Jackson. That's five guys who are all going to be in the top 125 nationally without question by the time this cycle is over. And they may even continue to go on after that because you obviously now look ahead Thayer Munford, Josh Myers, and Wyatt Davis are all likely to be gone after next year. Maybe they're going to need to bump up the number from five to six or seven based on what other else uh, attrition happens. So I think that right now the iron is hot. Ohio State is going to strike in that mode as fast and as much as they can. So don't be surprised if this 2021 offensive line class ends up being looked back in the same way that, you know, showing my age here, the 2008 class with Mike Brewster uh, and and Michael – Adams, uh, not Michael Adams, Mike Adams. Yeah. Uh, Mike Adams. Right. Yeah. Mike yeah. Adams and those guys. So JB Shugarts. I mean, that was, that was a class that was as highly ranked as anybody in the country. So, um, this is a big, big year for Greg Studrara and for Ohio state on the offensive line. And now with Donovan Jackson in the mix, they've got two of those pieces already in place. And those two Jackson and Christman were very, very close um, in the last two months on the recruiting trail, getting to know each other, but they are not alone. And that is the important thing. These guys are building a relationship and some rapport with the other offensive linemen that I just mentioned. That is very uh, legitimate and, and something to watch for as we move forward. So we could talk last, about last, that. Go ahead. Last thing before we move on to the offensive line, Ohio State's got a top five center in each of the, is it each of the last three classes, right? Uh, you go with Whipler and uh, Harry Miller and Matt Jones. Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, Miller might play guard next year. He's going to have to. After they, after they move on from Jonah Jackson, he's good enough to play right now. He's got to play guard while Josh Myers is the center. Matt Jones is a guard now, almost. I mean, he's been playing at guard and center. And uh, Luke Whipler, you don't know what he's going to do. It goes back to that point that you made about they're, they're, it's such a positionless recruiting strategy now where, okay, this guy's a good offensive lineman. Let's see where he fits. Find the five most athletic most intelligent offensive lineman you can, and then let the chips fall where they may. That's the goal. So switching gears, let's uh, turn our focus away from the 2020 recruiting class and talk about the 2020 recruiting class and the 2020 roster. The the lone uncommitted or unsigned commitment is Cameron Martinez. We talked about him last week on Talking Stuff uh, from Roosters on Olin Tangy, but this week, uh, we're still waiting on an announcement when it comes to the defensive back coach to replace Jeff Halfley. The Tennessee Titans beat the Patriots on Saturday night, so the the wait for Kerry Coombs uh, continues. 
Um, and, and now you just kind of wonder how long does that wait take to, to get wrapped up, but also how much does waiting for, uh, for that to happen impact Cameron Martinez and his potential to look elsewhere. So we talked about it last week and I said that the longer this goes, the more opportunity there are for other schools to get involved with Martinez and maybe, um, exploit uh, a potential weakness for Ohio state and a new school has done that, which is Notre Dame. Yeah. It's, it's becoming very interesting uh, to watch this develop because had Tom Brady just been Tom Brady, then Cam Martinez might be back to committed to Ohio state full time. Right. Um, I mean, he, but- he, he's never, he's never rescinded his commitment. That's important for Buckeye fans to understand. Cam is still committed yeah. to Ohio state. He has not planned to visit anywhere else, but you know, in, in the midst of all this conversation, ever since he decided that he wasn't going to sign in uh, December, all the talk we'd heard is about Minnesota and Northwestern. Okay. And, and I wrote then, and I'm, and I said it last week and I'm reiterating it now, the longer this goes, the more teams like Notre Dame are going to try to get involved with Cam Martinez because he's a really special football player. And I, I, I don't think people understand that as much as maybe they should because his position uh, playing quarterback and, and it is not what he's going to be at Ohio state. He's maybe not even going to play offense at Ohio state. But he's a really special football player, a two-time player of the year in Michigan, according to MLive.com. Mr. Football in Michigan as a senior. Um, he's a player that other programs around the country are going to covet. And the longer this goes on with Ohio State being unable to to name Halfley's replacement, um, the easier it's going to be for Notre Dame and schools like that to, to drive a wedge between him and the Buckeyes. But, you know, if you're a recruit and you're in his position – even if you know that you're the eventual replacement, you even know, probably know who he is, but you've never really met him. Like how much does that impact you or how, how long would you be able to wait before you had to make a decision on your future? Well, I think it's important to remember that January 17th date, as far as, you know, being able to, to meet with people and, and go into it and, and visit people. Uh, so I think that's important. Ohio state still has that, I think nine days, nine days now. Yeah, there's two more games potentially for the Titans before between now and then. So there's a lot of things that can happen. And if I was a betting man, I would say the Titans aren't going to make the Super Bowl, just in all honesty. So whenever that happens, and and we, what we understand is that Kerry Coombs is going to be the next defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Cam Martinez, if I was him, I would just play the waiting game. Now, obviously, I'm not him. I'm not a fantastic football player i wasn't a fantastic football player and cam martinez but you're is. a fantastic so, guy <laughs> a lot of these schools are going to start reaching out to him because they say oh yeah i forgot ohio state still doesn't have that defensive coordinator to talk to him let's go after him and so you know they just start planting that seed of of doubt in cam martinez about ohio state or planting that seed of of positivity and for notre dame or for these other schools whoever they may be that may start reaching out it's going to get very interesting. And I, I think, like you said, Cam Martinez is a lot better than the recruiting rankings indicate. It, it's it's kind of sad to see a guy like him as only as low rated as he is. But he's a super talented guy. Ohio State really, I think, needs him in the class. And, and they're going to have to get this buttoned up uh, in the next couple of weeks or else it, it might get a little dicey as we head towards signing day. Yeah, there, there's a train of thought out there for Buckeye fans that um, says, oh, well, hey, you know what? If he's not committed, just move on, right? Like at Ohio if, State. If, if, 
Go ahead. If Ohio State wanted to do that, they would. Right, exactly. They, at Ohio, they, at Ohio, it's State, Ohio State, they don't need to to hold on to a guy that isn't fully committed. Uh, they could go replace him quickly with someone else. The fact that they haven't done that, and the fact that Ryan Day and, and Brian Hartline and Mark Pantoni and Matt Barnes and all these guys are being involved in conversations with Cam Martinez ongoing. Uh, and I know I talked to Cam on Tuesday, and he had a, a what he described as a, a really great conversation with Ryan Day on Monday night. They aren't doing that unless it is important to them that they retain Cam Martinez because they see him as a potential difference maker at Ohio State. That's that's a point that I think people sometimes um, ignore. Like Ohio State doesn't recruit players if they don't think that they are potential difference makers at Ohio State. Even for players like Trey LaRue, who we know is a project down the road, right? The Buckeyes obviously yeah. still believe that Trey LaRue is a difference maker in Columbus at some point. Now, fans may not see it. Uh, analysts may not see it. Uh, star rankings may not, uh, you know, validate it or back up, back up that line of thinking. But it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what Ohio State thinks. And clearly the Buckeyes are very interested in retaining Cam Martinez. And so when you start to see teams like Notre Dame get involved, you're going to start to to get a little bit uh, antsy because Notre Dame has a lot of good things to offer uh, a college football player. Uh, clearly it's a program that's not far away from where Cam lives up in Muskegon, Michigan. It's not any really further than Ohio State is. Uh, Distance-wise, they offer a lot of stuff. They're giving him the opportunity to say, hey, come in and play whatever position you want. We'll figure it out. To me, I think that's their way of saying, we know where we want you to play, but we don't want to tell you. Um, but that's really neither here nor there. What What is here and is also there is that Ohio State is still very interested in recruiting Cam, Mart- uh, Cam Martinez and holding him in the class. But until they can officially announce who the replacement for Jeff Halfley is going to be, and again, we think we know who it is. We're pretty confident we know who it is. Uh, there's there's going to be this moment of uncertainty. And don't be surprised if Cam ends up taking a visit or two elsewhere before uh, the February signing day because that's his right to do so, and that's why he decided to wait. So let's move on from Cam Martinez. Uh, I want to touch on two additional guys um, that people have been asking a lot about. Uh, the first one is Quincy Roach. Roche. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is he French? Uh-huh. Roche. Roche. Uh, the, the Temple defensive end grad transfer um, who has expressed uh, apparently some interest in playing at Ohio State. There's been some back and forth follows. Larry Johnson followed him on Twitter. He followed Johnson back. People get a, a, a flutter about that. From talking to people inside of the Ohio State program earlier this week, I was told that right now there is not room for Roche. Uh, he plays defensive end. That is not a position of need for Ohio State in the 2020 season. If he was a three-tech or a guy who could uh, you know, maybe even move inside, I think you'd see the Buckeyes move on him. But despite his productivity at Temple, despite his obvious athleticism and talent, I don't think you're going to see Ohio State be willing to put uh, Tyreek Smith or Tyler Friday or Javante Jean-Baptiste or Zach Harrison or Kate Silver or any of those guys that they currently have on the roster on hold for another year while they plug and play a, a rental. Yeah, I, I just I, it just doesn't make enough sense, I don't think. It, it, and that it, Roche is a great player. He really is. He's a good player. He's the AAC Defensive Player of the Year. It just doesn't make much sense at this time for Ohio State to take a guy like him uh, when, when there are other needs on the field. I mean, I think I think if we're if Ohio State fans and Ohio State the Ohio State media thinks Quincy Roche is going to be light years better than what 
Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, and Tyler Friday are, not to mention the other guys. I mean, and Jonathan Cooper. Like, those guys are talented. Those guys have been developed by Larry Johnson for the past two to three years. Larry Johnson does really good work in developing these guys, obviously. And so to to insinuate that you need another defensive end in that group, I don't think you really do. I mean, if replacing Chase Young is going to be difficult, make no mistake about it. But if there's guys who can do it, it's Tyreek Smith and Tyler Friday and Zach Harrison. Right. Now, I mean, that's, that's the deal with Roche. Right now, unless something significant happens and he decides to either – hold off on making a decision about his grad transfer or decides to enroll in May like Jonah Jackson did, which is, could potentially change things based on what else happens attrition-wise at Ohio State between now and the end of spring ball. Don't expect to see uh, Quincy Roche at Ohio State. I've heard that no, uh, North Carolina has the same issue, so it's going to be curious to see where he lands. He's going to be a difference maker somewhere next year, but it doesn't seem to be Ohio State. Another player that people have asked about uh, a lot in the last month has been Darnay Holmes, the UCLA cornerback, former five-star prospect in the class of 2017. Uh, he was deciding back and forth between entering the NFL draft or pursuing a grad transfer possibility. He's announced he's entering the NFL draft, so that one's dead in the water and you can put it to rest. So um, if you're wondering about Ohio State going out and finding another defensive back in the grad portal, the transfer portal, the graduate transfer, however you want to call it, uh, maybe that's still a possibility. I think that that's actually a, a good possibility if they can find a player that really fits the need and uh, the talent that they're looking for. Darnay Holmes would have matched that, but it's moot. So that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row. I am Jeremy Birmingham, joined uh, today by Spencer Holbrook. We thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, like, hit the bell, do whatever. Uh, and uh, appreciate it, folks. We will talk to you again soon.